Tweeters and 12, or as they say in Mexico, welcome to Tweeters and 12, Senor. I'm Mark. I'm Brent, and today's guest is the one and only Home Halfway. How's it going, Michael? I'm well. How are you, dudes? Mm, you know, well. Warm. Had to turn off the air conditioning. Still a little bit sad about that. Yeah, that sucks, man. You guys got to figure out a way to do this show with AC. It's going to be a long summer. Yeah, yeah, it has been already. They can develop, like, ultra-silent air conditioner technology. Like, the hunt for Red October stuff. I worry about your heat. I want you guys to stay cool. I appreciate, we appreciate that. that. Yeah. How is it in Chicago? It's like 90 and awful. It's really, really humid here. It's more humid here than anywhere I've ever been in my life. It's like fucking swimming through air. It's terrible. It is humid there. I've been there a few times and it's like we'll have comparative temperatures from there to here and it just feels grosser there. It does. It feels like I need to shower if I, you know, go, by the time I get to work, I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to go back home and shower now. So, Michael, people know you from, I guess, obviously Twitter. But also from the impersonals. But have you you haven't written for them for a little while now? Yeah, I wrote for them regularly about a year, year and a half ago, and then that stopped, and then it came back a few months ago, and then ever since then I've been struggling with the next article that I'm working on, trying to make sure I get it just right because it's like it's got a lot of sarcasm in it, and I'm more silly than sarcastic. But the only way to get my point across in this next article is to have sarcasm, and I want to make sure I do it without being douchey. So I'm really working on it. Mm, that's a hard balance to strike. Yeah, I'm not saying that sarcastically. I mean, I really, I really do mean <laughs> I that. Did come off a little sarcastic? Did it really? Yeah. Yeah. Was it douchey? Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Of, yeah. There's a fine line, and I really want to perfect that. That's all. I'm, I'm lighthearted, but it's like yeah. a topic that I really want to talk about. I talk about it a little bit about in my tweets once in a while, but I really want to write an article about it, and make it like satiric, but also kind of half serious. And I want to do that without being too offensive, because. That's the last thing I want to do. Can you say what the topic is, or is it top secret? The, the the lack of generosity and kindness that I see really often on there. It's, it's kind of me mocking people that do that. But I still know a lot of reasons why people aren't so generous on there sometimes or so nice. I mean, I get it. I see both sides of it, which is kind of my problem with a lot of topics is that, yeah, when people can go back to me with a counter argument, and I'll already know it. But it's it's just kind of enough that I've seen over the past two years where I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. You know, it's a click of a button to be nice to somebody. I don't know why it's so fucking hard. I just, I, I it is. shame. I see too much selfishness. I see too many mean comments, trolling, fuck all that. And I'm completely against it. I'm really vocal about it. So the article kind of makes fun of people who go on there for really negative reasons. So to be serious, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think people feel they've got the license to be rude or mean or, or what have you? Well, you know, I mean, it's just a whole hiding behind a face, hiding behind a cartoon picture or, or, or just any picture. And, uh, you know, an IP address you can't trace through Twitter and nobody can know who you are and you can be anybody. And a lot of people just take, uh, take out their real life shit or their confidence problems or whatever it is on other people by being dicks to strangers for no reason when they could just press a few buttons and be a nice guy or, a ni- you know, a nice person and just, you know, be cool and just be generous and helpful and a decent person. You know, I don't know why that's just so generally hard. Like, just at least be nice to people. Even that's really hard to find I think- sometimes. That's uh, true, although Fly, uh, Flyover Joel is, uh, I think, unceasingly nice, I found. Joel is fantastic. I, I agree. He is fantastic. He is nice. Michael is, too. Michael is... One of the things I like the most about you, Michael, on Twitter is that you're always trying to help people. 
and to reach like certain milestones and just generally spread goodwill, which is a kind of a breath of fresh air. Exactly. Uh, I didn't get 22,000 followers in two years by being a dick. And I didn't get it by, you know, walking over people who helped me in the beginning. You know, I remember who helped me when I was at 100 or 1,000 or whatever. I remember who was nice to me. I, I, it's not hard to remember that, to pay them due respect once in a while. You see somebody cool who's small, bump them, help them out. An old buddy, you know, you got in there, you haven't hit him up in a while, hit them up. I don't see why it's so hard. I don't lose followers over it. Mm-hmm. Nobody yells at me about it. I don't see what the problem is. I just don't. That, there's just that's what I'm going. That's what I'm going with. Like there's like no, there's no reason to be a selfish dick on that site. There's no reason for it. If you want to get your anger or frustration out, do it somewhere else. Do it in in a more helpful manner. Do it in a more healthy manner. But there's no reason to not be nice and helpful on Twitter. It's so easy. I don't get it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, we don't disagree with that at all. See, I'm opinion. Um, they got to do, do to the. <laughs> I want to rant on the article and make it less comedic and more about like, rah, you know, I want to be able to have that fine balance. You're getting it out of your system on the on our podcast. I do it all the time. That's good. <laughs> I might okay, I'm just looking at the clock and we're already down to three minutes left before I ask you some Twitter questions. I really don't want to gloss over the fact that you died for six minutes in 1999. <laughs> Can you tell us what went on there? No, I was fine. No, uh, it was, uh, I love how you guys want to cut this down, yet you're going to ask me about this this is not a short story <laughs> <laughs> oh the, uh, the tunnel of light was so long <laughs> just <laughs> let me tell you yeah it's gonna go e- through each of those six minutes in great detail how many, how many people did you meet in heaven was it uh <laughs> five mitch album no um i uh it started um well it started to birth but it started to show the summer in 99 my illness my skin was pale and falling off. My hair was uh, uh, really um, thin and it was really greasy no matter what I did. And my hair is never greasy. Uh, I was I, Then I turned jaundice uh, the beginning of my junior year of high school. My first semester of junior year of high school, I was there just a day and a half because that half day I couldn't stay conscious. <laughs> and I was at school and my dad picked me up. And uh, I went to the doctor and the doctor said I had hepatitis and uh, to stay home and rest for two weeks. And my mom had an intuition that that was BS and... Uh, she took me to a much better doctor at a much better location. I mean, the, the, the office I went to was great, but she went to the best and uh, and had a feeling that something was, was up. And if I had listened to that doctor's advice, I would have literally died. I would have just imploded, basically, because my body wasn't digesting bodily toxins that were in my system since birth. So, you know, every time you, you know, you use the bathroom, you, you exhume that stuff. Well, that wasn't happening to me. So uh, 15 years of just the toxins that build up in your body were just eating my organs alive. And they were all black, three times their size, my kidney, my liver, my pancreas. That was also why I was all of a sudden really, really bloated uh that summer too so i went in so did you have like a liver failure what was the thing they don't know they 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 took me for an overnight surgery at one point where they were going to put stints in my digestive tracts to help like get the toxins out let my body heal and then kind of go from there those stints were supposed to last a year and they didn't even last 24 hours because the the acidity from the toxins they just they just went away so after that they performed two weeks later emergency surgery uh, that they weren't even quite sure what they were doing. And these are the best. Like this was, they called it experimental. They told me later on, which scared the shit out of me. But um, they took my piece of my uh, small intestine and they cut open my liver and pancreas. And they put the small intestine through it to serve as my new digestive system. And they took out a third of my pancreas um, that was just rotted and dead. They took out my gallbladder, which was worthless. And, uh, did that Ruesque and uh, it took four blood transfusions on the spot and 11 hours with the medical staff of ages 100. So there was that. Um, that surgery lasted what was supposed to be four hours. It turned into 11. And uh, shit. 
I was I made it. I, I looked I was pale as a ghost and really weak and fragile looking and actually so bad my family fainted when they saw me. But I was alive, but I wasn't breathing real well. So one night, like four or five days later, it was the only my mom still doesn't forgive herself for this. It's the one night she went home. It was just me and my dad. And every morning at 4 a.m., they would put this really thick, stiff wooden board behind my back and take an x-ray of me. They would just come in the second the clock turned 4 a.m. They would do that and go, uh, well, that night, this particular night, they did that. A few minutes later, a couple uh, pages walked into my off, uh, my room. We're talking to me or my dad, just each other, whispering. Then a few more, then a few more. All of a sudden, my room was fucking filled with them. All of a sudden, they were wheeling me down to uh, the um, emergency, the uh, ICU, the intensive care unit, to... Uh, get air in me because my uh, I wasn't breathing. Like I was supposed to blow into this machine and I wasn't nearly hitting the target I was supposed to. So they knew something was up. Uh, so all of a sudden these nurses were wheeling me down to ICU and explaining on the way that my lungs were collapsing and they were filling with this black liquid that they, they didn't understand was there. They don't know what it was. And so they brought me, they took me in and they put a, a respirator down my throat to kind of get me air, but they didn't realize that I was trying to cough up this black, this black shit at the same time. They weren't, you know, raising my lungs back up. So the, the two together, my choking on the black stuff, plus the respirator ended up flatlining me. And then they brought me, I was dead for six minutes. They brought me back. They put me in a medically induced coma, but it was one that they, I would have to get up from myself. And I had like a 90% chance of not doing that, but I did. And uh, I was supposed to be a vegetable. I didn't do that either. So uh, apparently I'm stubborn, but I was in the coma for a month. <laughs> they were going to study me for like a year or two. But I was discharged 10 days after the I woke up from the coma uh, when things were getting really, really bad and uh, came out of nowhere. I woke up discharged 10 days later. And they don't really quite understand what the fuck they just saw for the last few months. But that's the story. And I'm sorry that you're doing this on a 12 minute podcast. <laughs> that's OK. How, so how was the coma? Was it like a nice sleep? <laughs> no, not- did you wake up going all oh, that was the best? Oh, yes. Yeah, so refreshed. <laughs> no, not so much, man. I was pretty sick. Yeah. I four IVs and 20 machines in me. They thought I had cancer. They thought I had a tumor. They thought I had all sorts of stuff. And they still, they didn't identify the black liquid at the end. They had no idea what that was. And no, I do. doesn't give me a lot of confidence in our, in, in medical professionals. So, <laughs> Cause it sounds like they misdiagnosed and weren't able to identify what happened. And they seem a little bit baffled. Yeah, precisely. And these were like award-winning surgeons, a whole fucking team of them, and they they didn't know what they were looking at. I mean, like they knew what they were performing, but they didn't know why they were performing it. You know. Okay, <laughs> that would be our lightning round alarm. And Brent, I believe, has some questions about Twitter. This is such this a. Is... Fun, I'm so funny. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> That was an interesting story. That was very interesting. There's no way we weren't going to hear that. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad you made it. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay. A couple of questions for you. What's your proudest Twitter moment? Uh, the day that Fred Delicious and Andy Richter both retweeted me. Got some heat off of that? Yeah, I got a few hundred followers and, a t- and, and interact- notifications where I just had to put my phone in for like a day. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's a pain that I don't know. Some celebrities um, have fake followers, but Richter's are real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That being said, who's your favorite tweeter? Ah, uh, you saw the email. There's a bunch. I could. I can't just name one. There's Trumpet Cake. There's Merman Five. There's the Nate Wolf. There's Tara Shue. There's Lady Brosif. There's Bucky Isotope. There's Fred Growly Grigo. That's that's the, a lot. There's lots. Wine, Manda like wine. There's it's just a tip of the iceberg. So who's your biggest or neatest follower out of the bunch? Uh, I guess. Maybe the most, I'll just go with the most famous one. I think Joss Whedon's probably the most famous one. 
We just talked to somebody who Joss Whedon follows. Too. Yeah, we did. That was uh, yeah. Mike. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mike, uh, that's from awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Mike, it's really before me. He's like in our world a little bit, apparently. So just to tie it all up, uh, give us one underrated tweeter that everybody should be following. Tara Shu. Tara is great. And actually, we have, she's been mentioned, I think, several times. Yeah. Very so, popular. All right. Well, I guess that is our 12 minutes. Yeah. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining us today. Thank you. And this has been Tweeters in 12. I'm Mark. I'm Brent. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>